our podcast. Today is January 10th, 2021, and over the next several weeks, we're going to be looking at times in the Bible where Jesus uses the phrase, I am. And today, we're going to look a little closer at the first time Jesus uses that phrase when he says, I am the bread of life. Thanks for joining us, and I really hope that you enjoy today's topic. Good morning. Just a reminder that uh, this morning we are going to have communion, so gather up some some bread and some juice and uh, so you can take part in it. Today we're going to be looking at when Jesus says, I am the bread of life, so it really fits with communion today. There's this amazing story and chain of events recorded in John chapter 6. You know, and it starts out with Jesus feeding thousands of people with five loaves of bread and two fish. So there's this incredible miracle of multiplying food, of multiplying natural resources to meet the immediate need of the crowd that's gathered around Jesus. So it's just an incredible thing, and it, it says it's 5,000 men, and so if you count women and children, um, it, it could be anywhere from twenty to 25,000 people that Jesus feeds with five loaves and two fish. Now, of course, this uh, affects people's view of Jesus, of who he is, and, and a movement starts within the crowd to forcefully make Jesus their king, their ruler. You see, they were under Roman rule, and they didn't like or want that, and so this miraculous sign by Jesus is enough to spur this idea forward that they should make him their king by force, but Jesus, Jesus wants no part of that, and while Jesus is a king, Um, His kingdom is spiritual. It's not human. It's not defined by geography. So Jesus decides, he and his followers decide, that they're going to leave where they are and and get away from the crowd. Um, And so they decide to leave, and his disciples go ahead of him by boat, where they encounter some rough waters four or five kilometers in, and Jesus catches up to them by walking on the water to their location. No biggie, apparently. After you multiply food, I guess walking on water is pretty simple. And so he catches up to them. Now, the following day, the crowd could not figure out what had happened to Jesus because there was only one boat, and Jesus wasn't in it when the disciples left the night before. So they go, and they begin to search for Jesus. They begin to look for him. And on the way, as they go, they head to Capernaum, the, the town, the city where Jesus ends up with his disciples. And, um, you know, and, and so they knew that Jesus had not gone with them. And so when they find Jesus on the other side uh, with his disciples on the other side of the lake, they ask him how he got there. But Jesus doesn't answer their question. And instead of telling them how he got there, he, Jesus tells them why they came to him. And he says, you came because you wanted more food to be miraculously provided. And uh, he says, you didn't really care. You know, he doesn't even answer that. He just moves on and says, this is why you're really here. The thing is, you know, we, you and I, we can learn a lot from the reasons that we ask God a question. Many times we ask God for things with our own motives, with our own wants and desires in mind, but masked behind a prayer for something else or someone else. And this is the case with this crowd here in this story in John chapter 6. You know, they follow Jesus to the other side of the lake. They went through a lot of trouble to find him. I mean, sometimes we pray earnestly for things that we actually really want that maybe aren't what God has in mind. And yet what happens is their work was for food that wouldn't last. They wanted 
more to eat. And what Jesus wanted them to labor for, right, um, was not food that, that would perish or go away or spoil, but food that would endure forever. And so here you see Jesus making this contrast with this crowd between material and spiritual things. I mean, the crowd was rightly impressed right, you know, with the miracle of feeding 5,000, but then Jesus, really, what he really wants is for them to be more impressed with the spiritual food that he has to offer them. And, and many times, you know, we chase after the answer, the one who answers, the, you know, the, the answer to prayer as opposed to the one who answers them. And that's one of the ways that we can know when we get our priorities out of order. So let me encourage you today that if you're serious about following Jesus, take some time to evaluate what you're asking God to do and why you're asking him to do it. If God were to answer your prayer, who would really benefit from that answer? It's a good, it's a good thing to check and to evaluate from time to time you know, why we're asking God for what we're asking. At some point in the next in the next month, we as pastors want to connect with you, to pray with you, and to believe God for miraculous things in 2021. And my encouragement to you would be to ask with sincerity, with a transparency before God, with a clean heart that's committed to what God wants, not our own <laughs> desires. And so we encourage you to evaluate what you're asking God for in your life this year and, and even today. And so the crowd then, you know, after they ask Jesus that, they then go on and ask him a second question. They say, okay, well, what do we need to do to um, do these works of God? And the question seems to imply that they could get what they wanted from God if they could just please him with their good works. And we as humanity fall into that trap a lot, thinking that we can just do enough for God to finally give us what we want. And Jesus' response is uh, eye-opening. He says, the only work you have is to actually believe in the one that God sent, which is me. Telling us, you know, salvation is based on faith, not on works. It isn't something we earn. It's a gift God gives us. And, and then the crowd responds with a third question. And it says, well, okay, then, you know, what miraculous sign are you going to give us that we will believe in you? Like, you know, the, the multiplying of food wasn't enough. He says, what are you going to do? And then they say, our forefathers ate manna in the desert. And it's written, right? He gave them bread from heaven to eat. This is because this is what God did for Israel. And it, it's like at this moment, this crowd is trying to manipulate or to force Jesus into supplying them with food, even quoting scripture in that attempt. And sometimes we as humanity do those same things with God. And this is why it's important to evaluate why we're praying and why we're asking God for the things that we're asking. And so again, Jesus points out to the crowd that um, they're looking at all this incorrectly, that they're thinking first and foremost from the physical realm and not with God's kingdom being the first thing in mind. This is why Jesus is here to explain to us this is um, that we live with God's kingdom first and foremost as our priority. So Jesus tries to get their mind off these earthly things and onto heavenly realities to an understanding that, that he's necessary for spiritual life, just as bread is necessary for physical survival, right? Just as we need to eat, we need Jesus to survive spiritually. And so the crowd then moves on from that, and they say, okay, well, if this is what we need, 
then give us, you know, give us this bread that lasts forever. We, this is what we want. And, um, you know, and I think they're still thinking physically at this point. And Jesus' answer is this, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never be hungry again. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. Now, Jesus using the phrase, I am, is not lost on the crowd. And I'll connect that for you in just a second. But they recognize that by using that phrase, that Jesus is declaring himself to be God. The same God, and this is the connection, who delivered Israel from slavery to to the Egyptians thousands of years before. And in that, that story, God is working through Moses. And Moses asks God, he says, When I go to Pharaoh, the ruler of Egypt, and tell him to let the Israelite slaves go, who should I say sent me? And God responds, I am who I am. He says, tell the people of Israel, I am has sent you. And so Jesus is declaring himself as I am when he makes this statement. And when God describes himself as I am who I am, he is telling us a few things. He's telling us that he is eternal. He's telling us that he is all-sufficient. And he's telling us that he's all-powerful. Who am I? I am. I am complete. I am everything. I am the beginning and the end. I am the creator, the sustainer. I am in all and through all. I am. And so they would have known the story and they would have very well understood what Jesus was implying. He was not trying to hide his identity. He was saying, I am. I am. Now, God did use Moses to set Israel free and from slavery and their journey from Egypt. um, And on their journey from Egypt, he fed Israel with manna, a type of bread from heaven. And this is what they're referring to here in John chapter 6. The crowd gets this. And and then they're offended. And they're saying, well, wait a minute, we know you. We know your parents. We know um, where you came. We know you. and, And yet you say... You came from heaven. And so there's uh, this point, right, where they don't want to believe. And then they, it says in verse 47 of John chapter 6, Jesus says this, he says, I tell you the truth, anyone who believes has eternal life. Yes, I am the bread of life. Your ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, but they all died. Anyone who eats the bread from heaven, however, will never die. I'm the living bread that came down from heaven, and anyone who eats this bread will live forever. And this bread, which I offer, so the world may live, is my flesh. So the people in the crowd, they don't like that statement. They don't like what Jesus has just said. And so they kind of twist his words around. Not kind of, they do. They twist his words around to imply that Jesus is somehow talking about cannibalism. Now, cannibalism was incredibly offensive to Israelites, just like it is to most cultures. Um, and, um, And so they twist his words, and Jesus restates things again. And he says, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up at the last day. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me, and I in them. Now, Jesus was using language that would have been easily understood by those who had been taught about the Old Testament and Old Testament sacrifices, which was 
what happened in Israelite education. So they would have known this. The eating of the flesh and the drinking of the blood plainly alluded to the sacrificial system of the Old Testament. And what Jesus is doing is he's pointing to the upcoming sacrifice on the cross. This is why the crowd doesn't like it, because they understand what Jesus is saying, what he's implying, and they don't want to accept it. You see, God cares about us in this life. But make no mistake that his first priority is not our material or earthly needs. It's where you and I will spend eternity. Your earthly body will pass and your material needs will stop, but your soul, your personality will live on. And so when Jesus describes himself as the bread of life, he's telling us that he is the source that satisfies our hungry soul. That the eternal God has made a way to, to feed our very being to live forever and that his sacrifice will sustain us forever if we trust him and are not offended by him. And so in the same way, if someone, right, if someone offers you a loaf of bread and you take it and you consume it and you let it fill you, Jesus offers you himself today, but you have to receive it. You have to let him fill you. And that yearning for more, which we often fill with material things, will be satisfied by the one who calls himself, I am who I am. Now, if you've already done that, let me encourage you to take time today, immediately following this message, to evaluate your motives behind what you're asking God for. You see, God wants to answer our prayers, but he only answers ones that serve his kingdom, not ours. Boy, we need to remember that, right? He answers the prayers that serve his kingdom, not ours. And so let me encourage you to take that time. And if today you have decided to follow Jesus, to receive him as the bread of life, I'm going to ask you, please take a few minutes and go to our website, clfcr.com, and connect with us under the Connections tab. And let me know the decision that you've made today. You see, God desires for us uh, to know him as the bread of life, to have that deep satisfaction in our soul, to feel fed in the depth of our being, with a satisfaction, with a, a, a fullness that doesn't fade or go away. And when we focus on the temporary, when we focus on getting our immediate needs met, we'll find ourselves always hungry for more. We'll find ourselves always looking for the next thing that satisfies us. And I don't know about you, but I find myself at times living right there looking for that next thing to satisfy. And I have to practice, intentionally practice, letting the presence of God, right, that the truth, of the, the, the truth that Jesus is the bread of life, feed me, that he is all that I need. He sustains me. And one of the ways that helps me come back to that is by evaluating what I'm asking God for. You see, what we ask him for reveals What's going on? It reveals the motives of our hearts. And he, as again, I'll say it again, he wants to answer our prayers today and this year. But when they're prayers that serve his kingdom and not our own. So let me encourage you that, that right now, right from the start of the year, that we make a commitment 
um, that Jesus would be the thing, the one that sustains us through this year, that we would commit to praying for God's kingdom to come and his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven, that Jesus would be the one and only thing, the one and only answer that we have, the one and only thing that's, you know, who sustains us and carries us through this year. So, right now, in a moment, right, we're going we're gonna to take communion. I'll just slow down a little bit so that you can have a bit of time if you haven't got your bread and your, your juice yet, and um, you can gather it up. And, and, and what a neat opportunity for us as, right, we, we talk, we've talked about Jesus as the bread of life. And of course, you know, one of the elements of communion is just that, it's bread. And Jesus even says, this bread represents my body. And here's the thing that I want us to talk about, right? Because Jesus says, I am. And when I am the bread of life, and when he makes that statement, I am, he is, he is identifying himself as the eternal God. And so here we, we have this, you know, they, they are just material things, like it's just earthly things, right? That will fade and mold or go bad or just, you know, be destroyed. It's bread and it's, it's juice. But they represent, they represent Jesus, who is the eternal God. Jesus who came for you and me, who came to this earth so that we could um, have eternal life. This is more than just a piece of bread and some juice or wine or whatever it is you have. It's more than that. It represents an eternal God who, an infinite, eternal God, who wants to reach down into your very temporary life, our very temporary lives. The Bible describes, right, that our lives are like a, a, a breath, a, a wind, a whisper. And yet he cares so deeply about us. He knows everything about us and he wants to meet you and I right where we are. He wants to help us to get past ourselves, to get over our own selfish wants and desires, and to love him with all that we have, and then to love others the way that he would want us to. What an incredible God. What an incredible moment for us to be with him. I just want to encourage you, even just before you take this communion, to, to just pause, say thank you to him. Maybe, I know for me, I just have this sense of awe that an eternal, infinite God wants to know me. With all my flaws and my failures and my, my strengths, my good and my bad, He wants to know me. I know I've shared this with you before, that one time I had God tell me that He knew me, He knew my name, and He knew who I would be before He even set the foundations the world in place. What, a, what an incredible thing that God knows us, even though we're not here very long. Now maybe, you know, in the last year, this last year has maybe seemed like 10 years, but really life is short. And yet we have this infinite, eternal God who wants to know us. Thank you, God. Thank you for your body and your blood, Jesus. Thank you that you, the infinite, eternal God, 
cared enough about us to come, to become us, to take on flesh that you would then sacrifice that flesh, your body and your blood, that we could receive eternal life, that we could spend forever with you. Thank you. Thank you. Jesus, on the night that he was betrayed, he took bread and he broke it and he said, this bread is my body given for you. So let's eat the bread together. Thank you, Jesus, for your broken body. Thank you that in your broken body you took our sin, our sickness, our disease, that you took, the Bible describes that he takes our iniquity, our bent, like that which is bent and broken within us, that he took everything that was wrong and broken about us into his physical body. Thank you, Jesus, that you've done that. And then the same way, it says after supper, he took the cup, and he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. He says, and, and whenever you do this, he says, you know, you, you are proclaiming my death until I come again. And so let's drink together this way. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your blood, which not just, which cleanses us, which removes all of our sin, which heals our brokenness. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, that you are the bread of life. May we live it this week. God, in those times where we feel empty and unsatisfied and we're looking for something immediate to answer, um, to, to fix us, to, to, to satisfy us, Jesus, may you remind us that you are the bread of life, that you are the one that, that sustains us and that you will meet every need that we have in you. And Lord, may we, may we be willing to give up that which we want for your kingdom and your kingdom alone. Thank you, Jesus. God bless you. May you have a wonderful week.